Hi, I'm Jessie, your host of the Jessie Williams podcast. I'm a personal trainer and women's online health coach, bringing you all things health, wellness, money, mindset, and just life in general. If you want to learn, laugh, and up-level your life, this is a podcast for you. Each episode, we'll talk habits, tips, tricks, and big ideas to nourish your mind and inspire you to create your dream life by design. Let's dive in. Okay, okay, we are finally here. We are up to episode two of the business series. And today's episode is more about the strategy side of things. So if you haven't listened to the first episode of the series, I highly recommend going back and listening to that one. It's more based on the energetics of business and more about business mindset, money mindset, and things like that. Whereas today we're going purely into more of the strategy side of things. So To start off today, I'm just going to be chatting through some things that I feel are important. Some of them will feel really, really obvious, but are really easily overlooked. And then some stuff might feel like new information to you. And then at the end, I'm just going to go over and answer a couple of questions that I received. I got some things through Instagram on a question box regarding business strategy. So I'm just going to go through and answer those. So there may be some double up in what I, um, I guess, put in the first half of this versus the questions. There may be some trending themes, but I will try to give you guys as much information as I possibly can and make this as valuable and useful for everyone. So as I believe I put in episode one, please keep in mind that my experience is in the online coaching field. Um, so if you are are an online coach or healer or mentor, whether you're a life coach or you're a fitness coach, a business coach, anything like that, it's probably going to be very, very relatable to you. If you have something like a service-based business or a, sorry, not a service-based business, but more of a product-based business, then you will still get some really juicy stuff out of this, but it's not going to be as applicable to you. So do just keep that in mind with this as well. To start off, a really beautiful analogy I want to use is imagining a business seesaw. And this is the business balance seesaw. And we want to keep the seesaw really nice and even. We don't want to be going up and down. We don't want the scales or the weight to be shifting from side to side. We actually, this is a seesaw that we want to be balanced. We want equal weight on both sides. And on the left side of the seesaw is what we call the front end of your business. And that is the lead generation. That is like the marketing, the face of your brand and the leads that are coming in, like the very, very top of the funnel where people are first being introduced to or coming into your space. And that can be in a service-based business that can be through like your social media. Um, It can be through communities that you're building. Maybe it's like a private Facebook group and stuff like that. And then even with like a more product-based business, that could be your website or an ad that comes up or anything like that. But it really is this kind of like the very beginning of the funnel. It's like people who haven't actually bought from you yet, but they're coming into your space. On the very right side of the seesaw is the back end of your business. And that's the very end of end of the funnel or the end of the seesaw. And that's things like client satisfaction, client retention or customer retention, client fulfillment and things like that. Uh, and that can be things from like re- even referrals and referrals can almost come in both sides. They're almost like, it's like a lead generation, but it's almost, you know, that you've done your job and your, your customer is satisfied if 
they have then referred someone else into your business. It's also about making sure the customers and the clients that you currently have are having a really fucking good experience with you, whether it's like the product that they're receiving, is it broken or is it like high quality with your service? Are they actually feeling cared for and looked out for? Are you delivering on your promise of what you told them that they would get when they came into your space? All of that kind of stuff. And then in the middle is all of the well, the middle stuff, it's everything from the sales, it's the systems, the automations, it's the servicing, it's the actual coaching itself, like all of that kind of stuff. So realizing that we want to keep this seesaw nice and balanced because this is where if it's not, we start having bottlenecks in our business and we're kind of like constantly putting out one fire onto the next if it's constantly going one side to the other side. So this is where you want to ask yourself, where do you have more capacity versus where are you currently feeling capped? If we look at the example of the balance seesaw and we know that the front end is the lead generation and the back end is is the client satisfaction, you could have hundreds of leads coming in, whether that's like hundreds of people joining your mailing list or following your social media or inquiring or anything like that. And you actually are capped. So I'm going to use the idea of the coaching space because as I said, it's what I'm more familiar with, but you can really think about how you can apply this to anything, product or whatever. But for the example of coaching, say you have like a hundred leads coming in a day, a hundred applications being filled out a day. You can't coach like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at one time. Maybe you can, maybe you've got a program set up that is kind of like evergreen or whatever. But say you're doing one-to-one coaching and you're having hundreds of leads coming in a day, you can't even take on all of those leads. So you've actually got more leads than what you have the capacity to support or fulfill. So then the bottleneck in your business isn't a lack of leads. It's actually a lack of systems or uh, fulfillment capacity with the clients that you can take on. So that's where something like um, making a group program could take a little bit of work off your load. Creating an evergreen course could take a little bit of work off your load. Um, hiring some co-coaches to take on more team members could take a little bit of load off of, of you. So that's kind of like where if the lead generation is free flowing, but your bottleneck is in your capacity to take them on. If we look at the opposite end of that in that you have a lot of client satisfaction the customers who are working with you are having a fucking amazing experience they're raving fans of yours they think you're absolutely incredible they are like holy shit this program was the best investment ever but you're really struggling to get any leads um, which is really struggling to bring more like of the financial side of stuff into your business, which is going to make it harder to obviously support and grow. Um, then obviously your bottleneck is in the lead generation, which is where you would probably be needing to start looking at things like marketing, messaging, and how to get your name out there a little bit more or whatever way that would be. If we come back to the other end as well, and we say that you're flooding in with leads and it could maybe not even be your systems. It could be, cool, I've got so much space or systems in place to take all of these clients on. Say you run a group program. So you start flooding these hundreds of leads into your group coaching program, which feels amazing because I'm getting so many leads and I have the systems and the capacity to be able to onboard all of them. But then what happens is 
your customers are really unhappy. They're actually not feeling good in the group program with hundreds of people in it. They feel like they're getting a bit lost amongst everything, which mind you, isn't necessarily the thing. Like I know many successful coaches who have group programs that could have hundreds of people in at one time and everyone fucking loves it. Um, Manifestation Babe is someone who does this incredibly well. The way she's kind of set things up is that people usually have a really good experience. But say for this particular example, the people, they're just not happy. They're like, "Mm, this, uh, this doesn't feel like what I signed up for, or I'm confused. Maybe the resources you've given them are a little bit unclear or a little bit messy in their delivery. And so the person's a little bit confused about how they're supposed to navigate the course and they have a lot of questions, but you've got so many people in there that you're now struggling to like get back to their questions. Then the client fulfillment or satisfaction is now your bottleneck. You are struggling to actually deliver on what you said and give your customers or your clients a really good experience, which means referrals are going to really die down and word of mouth is going to be pretty crappy for you. So it's really important for you to kind of look at this business balance seesaw and just ask yourself, where do I have more capacity versus where am I feeling capped? What's currently feeling like my bottleneck and how can I ensure that I don't scale up too quickly on either end of the seesaw? without the systems in place to support the balance on the other end. So say your bottleneck was the lead generation. So you really amp up lead generation, whether it's you starting a podcast, you actually decide that you want to pitch yourself for other people's podcasts and or you want to cross collaborate, you want to do some giveaways, you want to um, do Facebook advertising, whatever it is, you start doing pumping out all of this marketing, all of this advertising, getting your name everywhere, and then all of these leads flood in. But you haven't even put in the systems in place to support those leads, then boom, the the seesaw's just fully switched over to the other side. And now you've got another fire to put out, another bottleneck to, to do. So with this, it's really important about looking at what's my current bottleneck. And if I fix it, or if I get to the actual goal, do I have the systems in place to support that? Because often people will say, oh, like I want more clients and I'm just like all of this kind of stuff, but they don't actually even have the capacity to support it. So this is really about making sure that you're always looking one step ahead so that you can actually support yourself in balancing that seesaw and making sure that you're not constantly putting out a fire. You're actually being really proactive rather than reactive. So let's move into, I guess, more of the specifics of this. So lead generation, I know this is something that a lot of people struggle with and ask about is like, how do I actually get more people into my space? The, the first thing that I want you to realize, I'm just going to pause and let you know that my dogs are wrestling. So if you hear weird noises in the background, that's what it is. They're having a wrestle. So with the lead generation side of things of wanting more people in your space, I just want to get something really clear first before I go any further into this. More followers is not better. Please, and I know people will be rolling their eyes uh, at that and being like, some people will see me having like 12,000 followers and thinking like, well, that's a lot. So, you know, what do you know? Like Like 400 is so much harder. No, 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 no. Please let me just like, honestly, if just take something away from this, followers do not fucking matter. And can I just say, I have been in many business coaching containers with a 
bucket load of different coaches from all different places, different types of coaches, business coaches, wellness coaches, trauma-informed coaches, spiritual coaches, everything you can possibly imagine with a full range of followers, people from a couple of hundred right through to about 300 to 400,000 followers. Um, and I've been in like masterminds and group programs and um, yeah, lots of containers. And I've had, I've got a lot of friends in the coaching space as well. And followers are not always indicative of the success of a launch or the potential for sales or anything like that. I have um, someone that I know in the coaching space and she actually did a $100,000 month, $100,000 in one month through launching with 7,000 followers. I also know multiple people who had between um, 150,000 followers to 350,000 followers who both had launches that didn't align with their expectations um, and were well under that mark. Um, I would just be saying more in like the 10 to $20,000 a month. So people with 150,000 to 350,000 followers did a 10K month. And someone I know with 7,000 followers did a $100,000 a month. Now, these still sound like big numbers, like 7,000 followers is a lot, Um, but that's just an example of someone I know. I also know people who have had under 1,000 followers who have done 10, 15, even up to $30,000 months as well. Um, So really what I want you to understand, I actually, one of my old business coaches, when he only had like 2,000 followers, I think he got up to like $60,000 a month, right? So like followers really aren't indicative because- Often like the more followers someone has, the less likely they are to have that amount of followers in their target audience. So they might have people from all different industries or whatever who actually aren't going to buy from them. Whereas people with smaller audiences usually will have more of a targeted audience, which means they're a hotter audience, which means they're actually more likely to buy from you. So please understand that followers really are not going to be indicative of Um, whether you can sell or not. So let that limiting belief go and stop using that as a excuse as to why you're not showing up of, you know, I've so often heard the, oh, if only I had the swipe up feature, if only I had 10,000 followers, if only I had this. No, they're not not reasons enough. Um, So you don't get to use those as your excuse anymore. There are so many other things you can do and ways to get around there. So diving into the lead generation side of things, Social media is honestly going to be your best friend. More is not always better unless you enjoy them and can be consistent with it. So don't go ahead and get, um, you know, Pinterest and a podcast and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of these things if you're going to be not be posting on Twitter for every three months, right? Like if your presence there is going to be really poor and it doesn't actually feel energetically good for you, don't go and get it just because you think the more platforms you're across, the better. However, it is a good idea to be on more than one platform, um, especially because uh, we've all seen people whose Instagrams and things have got hacked or they've lost their accounts. And like if your only audience is all on that, and you're relying on your audience for your business's survival, and then it's taken away from you, what do you have, right? Pretty scary stuff. So making sure that you're building audiences on more than one platform, the best audience you can possibly build out of every single platform is a web subscriber list. 
And the reason for that is because your web subscribers is the only audience you own. So with Instagram um, and your followers, you don't own them. Um, Instagram has full rights to that. They can remove followers. They can go through and like sweep people out. They can delete your account. They can remove it and everything like that. Same thing goes for Facebook, for Twitter, absolutely everything. The only thing that where that can't happen is your web subscriber list. You actually own the full rights to that. So if everything goes and gets disappeared, the one thing that's never going to disappear is your web subscriber list. And it just means if God forbid something does happen to one of your social media accounts, you actually still have an audience and it's not like you've gone from like 20,000 followers to nothing overnight and then basically have no business and are starting from scratch again. Um, so I really, really encourage you to actually focus on building a uh, web, web list as well. So coming back to social media, there's really two parts to this. There's action and attraction. The first part being the action. This is about the planning and the executing. This is like the mask stuff, the logic, the knowing, the structure. And that can be everything from sitting down, getting really, really clear on who your target audience is. What problems do they have? How can you solve those problems? How, um, writing copy that solves the problems for them, making sure your messaging is to your target audience. So for example, there's very huge difference between posting a photo out with your girlfriends for dinner and the caption being like, woo, girls night versus posting like a fucking essay that dives deep into the dark shadows of your client, speaks to their fucking soul and makes them feel like, holy shit, she's speaking to me and she can help me. Holy shit. Right. And that's not to say that you shouldn't post a photo with your friends. Cause I also think that's important as well, but If 90% of your content is just random stuff, your followers are going to love you. They're going to feel like they know you. They're probably going to find you very authentic, very real, very raw, um, but they're not going to buy from you. That's the bottom line. They are going to feel like you're their BFF who they know really well and they like you but they ain't buying from you. So that's the bottom line. So you, but then on the flip side to that, if you're only ever posting really planned content, planned images, planned captions, everything's, um, you know, directed to your target market and is very, and there's lots of like salesy stuff in there and you're never showing, um, glimpses of your personal self, then, that you you will still get people buy from you, but you're going to have a very disengaged audience because you're not very human to them. So it's really about uh, balancing out the two. So with social media, we want the action, we want the planning, the executing, make sure you know who you're actually speaking to, um, you know, the call to actions are selling. And then the other side is the attraction. This is the energy stuff, which I'm not going to go into too much to today because episode one was more energy based, but this is about um, checking in on your thoughts and you and the beliefs that you have. Do you have limiting beliefs? Like if you're still holding on to a belief that people don't like me much, can you imagine the energy you're putting out every time you post? If that's your subconscious wounding, people don't like me much, can guarantee you you're going to have a very disengaged audience versus the more you work on yourself and you clear those limiting beliefs and you are confident, people are fucking drawn to that energy. They love it. So this is about that magnetism and the authenticity piece. Be yourself. People aren't stupid. Consumers are very smart. We do not give them enough credit for how intelligent they are. They can see through your shit 
And maybe they won't straight away and maybe they won't on a conscious level, but on a subconscious level, they always know. So be authentic, show up as your authentic self, work on your own shit and clear all of that so you can actually magnetize people into your space and be a magnet for your aligned clients as well. So it's really is balancing about the, um, about balancing the masculine action with the feminine attraction. Moving on to my next tip, give free advice give free advice. Like people get really caught up on thinking like, oh, like if I talk about my best um, stuff that I have for free, then what are people going to have when they come into my containers and stuff like that? They have the container. (laughs) Like that is where so much of the work is. I have done so much. The more work I do on myself, the better the results my clients get without me even doing or changing anything. Because the energy when they come into my container, the energetic transaction of that, shit just starts happening. And it's so wild, but like I have done so much work now that I'm at a level where a lot of the time when people invest in me, Sometimes there's a wait to start, like it could be like four or five weeks. By the time they actually roll around to their start date, they're like, holy shit, Jesse, this has happened and that has happened. And all of this stuff has happened for them because of the energetic transaction they made, shit already starts moving. So when people invest in you um, and being part of your container and having someone to reflect back with them, that is where the magic is. Because how many podcasts have you listened to? Probably fucking this one. How many podcasts have you listened to? Books have you read? YouTube videos have you watched? How much of stuff have you absorbed and you know, but you don't action on what you know? You don't actually execute or you don't integrate. So the beauty of coaching is not actually your knowledge. It's the energy you can hold and the space you can create for a client that feels safe enough for them to integrate what they're learning. That's the bottom line. There is no point you just teaching your client a bucket load of stuff if you don't have the space for them to feel safe in exploring the integration of those lessons. So give free advice because that's not the magic of what your coaching is about. And the beauty of this is it also creates an energetic imbalance. So on a subconscious level, uh, humans don't like feeling like they are indebted to anyone. So if you are constantly giving away just hey, here's me in my kitchen making a coffee. That has benefit. I do that. I'm like, whoa, got my coffee. There's no value in air quotation marks to that. But people like enjoy knowing what I'm doing in my life. So it helps with that authenticity piece. But if I was only doing that, people are just like, well, what could I learn from you? I like you, but I can't learn anything from you. And this comes back to the whole people will be inspired and they'll feel connected, but they won't buy. So when you actually give free advice that is so fucking good that people actually transform or go away and do something with that information, it creates a feeling of being indebted to you. Like you have given them something and they haven't given you anything and that doesn't feel good. And that is why a lot of the time people who have bought from me and people who will buy from you are the people who have listened to your free stuff or read your free stuff, whether it's your content, your podcast, and they've walked away and they're like, holy shit, that was so helpful. And I got that for free. Imagine what I would get if I paid her or paid him. So give free advice because it creates that energetic imbalance and that is what is showing people that they actually can learn from you and that they want to learn from you. And that is how you get people to buy. 
Moving on, we've got funnels. So I'm just going to br- brush over this really quickly, but know what your funnel actually is. Like rather than just like going through business, doing stuff day to day, hoping people will come into your space. Yes, you can do that because that's called attraction marketing and that's the whole feminine flow thing and the energetics. But from more of a masculine um, perspective, know what your funnels are. Like know how what your client customer journey is. How do they go from cold to hot? How do they go from new to like, fucking raving fan what is the process of that know that um moving on I'm going to use a really good analogy that I learned from my first ever business coach Matt Karma uh he used this analogy of making sure you date your clients before you ask them to marry you so if you think about being in a relationship with someone if you were in the dating phase and you were on a first date and the person looked at you and they were like will you marry me you would literally be like oh my god this person is an actual fruit loop and you would feel so repulsed, right? You would just be like, this person's lost their marbles. The same sort of thing happens is if, if you try to get your clients to marry you when they haven't even dated you first. So if people come into your space and they've, and this is the whole cold, cold DM outreach thing, which I'm really not for. Um, but you know, like I'm sure everyone listening has had one. Like if you haven't, amazing that is great for you. But I'm sure so many people listening right now has had someone cold DM them before where they've just reached out being like, hey, join this or do that. And it's like, ew, like, I don't know you. I don't want that. It feels icky, feels very inauthentic. And it's because those people are asking you to marry them before you've even dated them. So warm up with your client. And this is where, again, the authenticity piece is so important. Post a photo of you, playing with your kids or post a photo of you making your morning coffee or on your morning walk with your dogs or anything personal post it because it creates them a sense of like getting to know who you are as a person um but also post about what you're about and like let them warm up to you before you ask them to marry you and as a general rule of thumb I like to do a minimum and I'm talking absolute minimum I usually have an even bigger ratio than this but three value adds to one call of action. So I would do two posts that are just giving value for nothing other than giving value. And then one post where I'm like, hey, buy my thing, right? So a three to one ratio of value to call to action or sale, whatever. Um, All right, I'm gonna dive into some of the questions now that I got. So Question number one was about how to transition from face-to-face to online. Um, obviously, I have been there and done that. I used to be a, a personal trainer on the gym floor and have now moved to a fully online business. I feel like this could be an entire episode just on its own, and I don't specifically know what the question would be. So I'm just going to give you three tips. Tip number one, if you're going to go from face-to-face to online, have a social presence That's got to be number one. Like you have to have a online presence if you're going to have an online business. So have a social presence or an online presence to find your new system. um, Have a look at the balance seesaw, know where you're going to struggle with the most and how, what, what your bottlenecks will be and how to solve those bottlenecks before they even arise. Know how the, how your clients are going to funnel into your online space what your sales process will be like, what your onboarding process is going to be like, how you onboard them, what your client gets, what your offer is, like just know everything. Get Just get really clear on the start to the end of the funnel. And then the third thing is build a community as well. I think this is really important. So whether it's a community just with your clients, whether it's a community for your followers, 
build a sense of community. I think that's a really powerful way to um, increase uh, your online presence and sales as well. Um, there was a question about whether I structure things or more whether I go with the flow. Do I plan things? Do I go with the flow? I'm a very flow person. Um, I am trying to move more into a planner. So I'm not necessarily, this is just answering where I'm at. It doesn't mean it's right. I think you have to pick whatever is right for you. I never bulk plan plan content. I have um, my marketing assistant and my VA do a lot of the planning for the Jesse Williams podcast. So a lot of the podcast stuff is scheduled ahead of time. Um, But when it comes to my personal Instagram, I'm the kind of gal that's like, I feel like making a reel today and I make a reel on the spot and post it. Um, I'm the person who's like, oh my God, I just got inspiration for a caption and I write it and I post it. Um, I don't care about the time I post. I don't care about... Yeah, I'm not like, oh, I need to wait until 8 o'clock p.m. because engagement's really hard. Like if I make something, I post it as soon as I've made it and the inspiration hits me. I'm a very, very flowy person. In saying that, I'm currently working with someone to help me get more into the masculine structure and logic because I'm not good at it. It is it is my weakness and my downfall. So I'm not saying my way is necessarily right. But everything I do is very flowy. The extent of my planning is everything goes in my Google calendar and I do have some systems and strategy in place, obviously. Um, And every morning I sit down with my coffee, I open up my laptop and, um, and my Google calendar and my physical diary. And I just go through and look at my day and then I hand write everything that's in my calendar. And then I'll do subtasks under that as well in my diary. And then I actually tick them off as I go throughout the day. And I do that every day. That's my only structure. Um, Someone asked about finances and bookkeeping. How do I keep on track of that? So when I first started my business, everything I did was literally in an Excel spreadsheet. Every income that came in, I would have the date, um, the name of where the money came through or the person who paid me, um, what the payment was for and how they paid. So as an example, I would have the date, the 12th of June, 2021. It was paid by... Kim Thompson for one-to-one PT session or nourished in 90 and she paid via Stripe or she paid via PayPal or she paid via an invoice, whatever. So I kind of would have all of that and I would keep track of all of all of it that way. And then I just did my tax return myself. As my business has grown, um, I have had to like that is so unsustainable getting to where I am in business now. There is no way I could still be doing it that way. Um, so I upgraded to zero and that was a huge transition for me because I've actually moved from a business to now a company structure. So I'm actually Jesse Williams Fitness PTY LTD, um, which is wild. But yes, yeah, so I use zero currently. Um, I occasionally still, do you know what? Every now and then I'll still let a client do a direct bank transfer and I'll just like mark that down. That's fine. Um, but zero is obviously linked to my bank account. So if someone does a bank transfer, zero recognizes it. And then I just have to reconcile it. Um, so zero, I find zero very easy. And then the next thing is getting an accountant. So I have a really fucking good accountant. He's not super cheap, but he is amazing. Can't even tell you how incredible he is. He's been one of the best investments I've ever made. He makes me feel so on top of my finances, so in control, so aware. Um, I feel like I'm very like 
in it. And then he kind of like plucks me out and helps me see the bigger picture, which I think is really valuable. So um, his name is H. He is, his accounting firm is called Number Group. So if you want a really good accountant, you can hit him up. Um, he, okay, cool. What else? How much of your personal life should you share on your business page? Um, as much as you want, as long as you're giving value add in between. That's what I think. Um, I think it's really valuable to share your personal life. As I said, one, it helps with a sense of authenticity. And I'm like whole, uh, wholeheartedly believe that people don't buy from brands. They buy from people now. I think in 2021, people are so big on buying from people. And we know that because that's why influencers are so fucking hot right now in the sense of like, you're so much more likely to buy something that an influencer told you is amazing than you would if a if it was in a newspaper article or even even an Instagram ad. I mean, you might buy things from an Instagram ad. Um, still, I have, um, but I feel like you would you would value the opinion of an influencer more, and even above that, you would value the opinion of a friend massively. So. Word of mouth is really powerful. Um, attraction marketing is really powerful. And I think that you build that power through people. People want to know people. They want to know their shit. They want to feel like they're involved. So I think sharing your personal life is really valuable just to, to just to humanize you and, to, and for people to feel. I, I think it's also going to attract your aligned client in as well. That's the bottom line. I think if you don't share anything about yourself, your messaging can kind of just pull in a very specific kind of client. Whereas when you're sharing personal stuff, you know that the people who are buying from you actually value you as a human being, which is a really clean and beautiful energy exchange in my opinion. But as I said, if you're only posting personal stuff, that's where you slip into the influencer category or the like you'll get messages from people being all the, all the time being like, you're so inspiring. Um, you're incredible. I love following you, but then they don't buy from you. And you're like, why do people like tell me I'm so inspirational all the time, but they won't buy from me because you've put yourself in the influencer category. That is why. So definitely share stuff from your business life. There is no limit to that. As long as the ratio is quite clean of personal to, um, a value add. Um, 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 um sale I had a few people say sales like it wasn't actually a question it just literally said sales so all I'm gonna say on that because I don't even know where to go with this is know what your sales process is do the work on removing limiting beliefs which is stopping you from selling and have a sales process which feels good to you don't do something just because your business coach said so or this influencer said it's the best way to do it or whatever do what feels good for you so I've got friends who don't do sales calls. Like you can just click and buy and work with them. I've got friends that only do sales calls. I've got friends who do 50-50 split, who do application processes, who don't do application processes first. Whatever it is, do whatever feels good for you. Have a sales process that feels good for you. But above all, can I just say, if you are doing sales calls, I like to call them clarity calls or compatibility calls, the best thing you can do is just fucking get to know them. The best thing you can do is get out of your business hat and just be an actual human for the next 20 to 30 minutes and really get to know them on a human level. Because 
one, they are more likely to buy if they feel actually seen and heard by you. But if they don't, they are so much more likely to walk away with a positive feeling from you rather than a bad taste in their mouth of that person just wanted my money. So actually just be human with them. Um, a question, how to balance full-time work that I hate with a side hustle. Again, this one could actually be an entire podcast episode all on its own, but I'm just going to give you some tips. The first is know your priorities, know what, where your priorities lie and know that there's probably going to have to be some level of self-sacrifice. And I don't think that that has to be long-term, but it may just be short-term. So you might have to be honest in communicating to your friends that you've really got to knuckle down for the next few weeks and you won't be going to social functions, or you might have to tell your partner that you really need their support in just like cooking more often for the next couple of weeks while you get it up and running, whatever it is, just make sure that you know that if you're dead serious about building your side hustle into something bigger than a side hustle, then stop treating it like a side hustle. Treat it like a fucking business. Treat it with like full the energy of this is amazing and this isn't just some little project to see if I work. Like go all in or don't. That's what I think. So um Know what your priorities are and then communicate those priorities with the people that you care about around you. Um, just work when you can and work in bulk if, if you can as well. So rather than working on your business for one hour every night of the week after work, which may lead you to end up burning out, just work, say, for... 30 minutes, two nights a week, and then a full day on a Saturday because you're so much more likely to get in a creative flow when you actually sit down and commit to what you're doing. Um, And then the other thing would be open communication with your current workplace as well. Is it possible you can pull back on hours or negotiate something? Maybe it's you pulling back to four days a week. Maybe it's you saying to your boss, do you think it's possible that I have one the last Friday of every month off? You know, so you get one day a month off of work or something like that um, so that you have more time to work on your business too. Um, So yeah, I just think know what your priorities are. Be really open and transparent with the people around you from your workplace to your friends, your partner, whatever else. Um, And then know that it's going to be a little bit of hard work initially, but on the other side of that, like it does get more flowy. So it's just a short amount of commitment and a little bit of sacrifice from you. Hopefully that answered your question. Uh, if you have something more specific, let me know. Um, there was another question about how to talk on camera without feeling anxious. Um, practice. That is it. There is no way around it. You've got to lean into the discomfort. Can I tell you when I first started speaking on my Instagram, I would record a story so many times. Sometimes I wouldn't even post it. Sometimes I would post things and want to delete it. I would stuff up. And then I just eventually hit a point where I just stopped caring as much. And I was like, nah, whatever I record first, it's going on. And it wasn't comfortable. It's not like, I mean, maybe some people actually feel comfortable from the get-go, but I have not met many people who run businesses that felt comfortable talking on their Instagram story straight away. Anyone I know who now runs an online business or has an online presence or talks in their story hated it to start with or felt so nervous, but they only got to where they are now, myself included, through just doing it anyway. So lean into the discomfort, lean into the anxiousness and just let go and surrender to it and know that the more times you do it, the easier it gets. That is it. It is that simple. That is my advice. 
if you guys have any more questions, as I said, I'm going to do um, hopefully one more episode of this series because I get a lot of business related questions. Um, but yeah, hope today was valuable. Hope you got some insights and it was a little bit juicy for you. And I will speak to you guys in the next one. 